0: Bobbity, Welcome to season three of the Café Nervosa podcast. I'm Lauren. And I'm Taryn. We're two ladies who have a deep and abiding appreciation for the 1990s NBC sitcom Frasier. In this podcast, we're going through the show season by season, and we're talking about specific topics as we go. We will lovingly
1: dissect the episodes, share clips featuring great jokes, and talk about some absolute favorite Frasier moments. In this episode, we're talking about writing. Writing. And for season three, that means having flashbacks, listening to brilliant speeches about smoking,
0: going to a taco show, and checking in on our favorite intertitles. So order yourself a Stoli Gibson on the rocks with three pearl onions. And if they bring you two, if they bring you four, send it back. And then lounge in your Eames classic as we talk about season three of Frasier. (laughs) Before we get into the topic, here's a refresher on Season 3 of Frasier. In Season 3, KACL gets a new station manager named Kate Costas, who Frasier has a fling with. Niles and Maris separate, Martin sends an original song to Frank Sinatra, and Daphne dates a man named Joe.
1: Roz continues to be our hero by wearing killer pantsuits and by idolizing her new female boss. And finally fraser's hair is no longer in a skullet
0: oh what a day it's it's beautiful let's dive right in taryn writing season three what do you have i'm gonna start us off in the past oh <laughs> wind chime noise, wind <laughs> chime noise.
1: <laughs> um, and i would like to talk about the episode you can go home again which is the final episode of this season in this episode, the writers use a flashback here to give greater meaning to the present that Fraser is in. He remembers when he first moved to Seattle and how rocky his start across the board was with his dad, with his job, and he's now able to enjoy where they are and how much work they put into their relationship and how, how much better he is at his job. This flashback isn't old footage, as evidenced by the lack of the skullet Continuity
0: would dictate he should have a skullet. Yeah,
1: I don't know why they can't just sweep up some hair leave-ins and glue them to the back of his head. It's not that hard.
0: It's not that hard. I've seen it in other films and TV.
1: Yeah, I've seen it in this show. (laughs) Spoilers for the final season. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, So the writers have taken uh, the chance to add in some story before that wasn't there originally. I have a clip of the conversation between Fraser and Martin about their recent past in an attempt to reconnect.
2: You're leaving? Yeah, whenever you're ready, I'll walk you out. Dad,
3: I haven't seen you in two years. I stopped by and you're, you're leaving in ten minutes?
2: Oh, why don't we stop kidding ourselves? You don't really want to be here and we don't really have anything to talk about. At least I'm making the effort. Oh, yeah. It's an effort to talk to me, huh? Well, I guess that's why you only bother coming home once a year at Christmas. Oh, no, wait. Sorry, I take that back. Last year you went to Arugula, wherever the hell that is.
3: (laughs) Dad, you know, you're painting an awfully bleak picture here. Ever since I moved to Boston, I've come home at least three or four times a year. Just lately, things got a little hectic
2: and I haven't been able to come home as often. Yeah. I noticed how busy you got after your mother died. But what the hell, I didn't go visit you in Boston either, did I? So, uh, why don't we just drop this?
3: No. The point is that we're here now. Together. I don't want this night to end before we've at least tried to have one real conversation. we at least tried, mean, now you just sit down with me for a while and let's try, please. So their
1: adorable attempt at a real conversation after that clip is just a chat about how much it rains in Seattle, but it's a genuine moment of two estranged people working to get back into each other's lives. This this whole flashback episode makes the story deeper and more meaningful because we now care about these characters more, as opposed to if it had been at the beginning, it wouldn't have the same impact, I think. And I just very much appreciate the payoff that is appreciating your family more.
0: You are totally right that the flashback helps the writers create more story and deepen the story that we already understand. And yeah, you can hear it there that they have they're reckoning with that past and they're trying to move forward, which is awesome. Yeah. Lauren, what would you like to talk about? I would like to talk about how the show creates comedy by subverting our expectations i'm excited professor lauren is here (laughs) welcome class (laughs) don't worry there's a good payoff um so the very best example of these subverted expectations in season three comes in the classic wonderful episode called look before you leap
1: if you haven't recently seen this episode i ask you to pause your (laughs) podcast go watch the episode Mm -hmm. come back and join us
0: absolutely so it's a leap year, and Fraser is challenging all of his friends and family to take big leaps. So he makes Martin go to Montana for some reason. Uh, Daphne decides to get an edgy haircut, uh, and Fraser also pushes Roz to track down a man she saw on a bus and she thought she had con- a connection with. Um, So because he's asking all of his friends and family to do that, he also decides for himself to try to sing a challenging aria from Verdi's Rigoletto at the PBS pledge drive that's happening that evening, instead of the song he always sings, which is Buttons and Bows. As we expect from Frasier, things go poorly, and throughout the day, all the other leaps everyone is taking go poorly, and by the end of it, everyone's mad at Frasier. Uh, so here's where we start before Fraser goes on the pledge drive, and he sees that everyone's attempts have failed, his advice was bad, um, and we, the audience, assume that he's just going to chicken out and not do the the challenging song, he'll sing Buttons and Bows, and because of that he'll kind of come out ahead, he won't have followed his own advice. As a viewer, you're set up to think that that's the joke That he's the cowardly fool Which is very funny And he is a coward and a fool Mm -hmm. So, all good stuff So he's resigned to singing this song Buttons and Bows um, And the piano starts And we get this beautiful performance
3: (laughs) Ten seconds, Dr. Crane That's it! That's it! I'm not doing the aria
2: What? You're backing out after you made all of us Take those stupid leaps?
3: You bet I am It may be an unwise man who doesn't learn from his own mistakes, but it's an absolute idiot that doesn't learn from other people's. But you promised all your listeners. Oh, what's the difference? Who watches PBS? I'll tell you who. Discerning, cultured viewers like yourselves. Hello, I'm Dr. Fraser Crane. And like yourselves, I care about quality programming, such as foreign films, classical music, opera which is why I intended to sing a rather challenging piece, an aria from Verdi's Rigoletto. But who am I to ignore the the dozens of phone calls that have come in requesting my signature piece, rather charming little ditty, that I first sang three years ago on Classic Western Movie Week. (laughs) So without further ado, I give you Buttons and bows from Paleface. (laughs) Maestro, please. East is east and west is west and the wrong one I have chosen. Let's go where you keep on wearing those da 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 And Things and buttons, and buttons and bows. Don't bury me with a flubbing pea, sounding la la la. Let's all go to a taco show in our house. Such an And blow my nose. You're like witting buttons and bows. I love you in buckskin La-da-da-da-da-da-da Everybody! My bones denounce The fearful trounce And la-la-la-la Mole grows But a soose upon And a pet, a heart, And penny holes You look bummy buttons and bones
0: Okay,
1: beautiful stuff. <laughs> it is always hilarious. It's
0: always hilarious. I think what you, I mean, you hear a lot in that beautiful <laughs> clip, but what you can't hear is Kelsey Grammer's performance of his, of the growing dread that Fraser is experiencing um, and his realization that he doesn't know any of the words. <laughs> his panic combined with his needing to save face is just so funny to me. It's wonderful, and... Kelsey Grammer, as we've discussed,
1: is a really good actor, and he sells it in a way when he turns around to dab his flop sweat and his, like, sad, jerky movements, because he's just trying to put on a show, but as you say, he has no idea what he's saying.
0: It's beautiful. Yeah, that's how we get such classic lines as a palm caboose. Yeah. <laughs> Um, A quick side note, so the song Buttons and Bows is nuts. It's real weird. I looked it up and it's from the movie The Pale Face, which, and it, The song won Best Original Song at the 1948 Oscars. There must have just been no music that year. I don't know. And in the movie, it's sung by noted singer Bob Hope. (laughs) (laughs) I don't understand. It's such a weird choice. Maybe people know it, but we don't, obviously. No, I have also looked into it a bit. And do do you know what the song's about? Like the original song? No, certainly not. So we have lyrics here. So it says, my bones denounce the buckboard bounce. <laughs> Truly no idea what that means. <laughs> and the cactus hurts my toes. Let's vamoose. That's a palm capoose, I think. <laughs> so let's vamoose where gals keep using those silks and satins and linen that shows I'm all yours in buttons and bows. I have no idea what that means. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to a segment where Taryn teaches Lauren about
1: music. I there's much to learn (laughs) so this is a song about a man who has moved west in the old west why it's the classic western movie week when he sang it sure so the the song does start east is east and west is west and the wrong one i have chose (laughs) because he decided to move west in his wagon okay and he hates it he wants to be in the city okay so that's the the basis of the song, but let's get into some of this. <laughs> so his bones denounce the buckboard bounce. Is the buckboard is where your feet sit on a wagon? Sure. And so it's bouncy. It's like it sucks my aching bones. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh huh. And the cactus hurts my toes. I don't know what he's doing to a cactus. <laughs> I'm. I just don't know. Maybe he's kicking them out of the way or something. Sure. I don't. I don't know. But it's like. There's no civilization, there's no hmm. roads, there's cactus everywhere, my toes. I'm not entirely sure okay. what specifically that's in reference to, but you can you can imagine. Now, let's vamoose to the, let's vamoose where the cows keep using those silks and satins and linen that shows, and I'm all yours in buttons and bows. Could you put, throw a guess out there for me?
0: No, I... Like, is he wearing silks and satins because no. he's a fancy man? The ladies are. Oh. Where do you go where <laughs> the
1: ladies are wearing silks and satins and buttons and bows <laughs> to show that they are into you? Oh, no. Oh, no, indeed.
0: <laughs> is it a brothel?
1: He wants to go to the city where there's, uh, to to quote <laughs> Emily Gilmore, loose women with questionable morals. Ugh. <laughs> oh. Where you can get all fancied up to show... That you're into a fella,
0: yuck. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> also, I'm guessing the movie being called "The Pale Face" means it's racist. I believe <laughs> it is.
1: I, I something I think Wikipedia told me was that the original version of the song, and this is their word, not mine, had much more um, of an Indian or Native Indigenous person, um, like. Theme to it, but they wrote that out because (laughs) I'm I even more racism unsure. (laughs) Wow. Yeah, it's not good.
0: (laughs) I think he should have gone with Rigoletto, yeah aria. (laughs) Frankly, sounds like a real stinker of a song. (laughs) Wow, a lot to digest there. A lot. (laughs) I'm gonna take the lesson offline after this. Back to your point
1: about why this is so great. It is that thing where you think one thing's gonna happen and they go the other way. And they do see the writers really seem to employ that perfectly and in they don't do it every time. It's it's just really impressive how they're able to execute these things and make such memorable
0: episodes all the time. Absolutely. Yeah. Taryn. It is time for you to take us through some intertitles. Remind the good people what's an intertitle. So the intertitles are those black screens
1: with white writing that show up at various points throughout the episode. Um, They do certain things like they'll explain a, a joke coming up or just add a little flavor or make some sort of literary reference or something like that. Um, And so I have a few that I'd like to share from this season that I very much enjoyed. Okay. So in uh, the first episode, there is one called Long Night's Journey Into Day, and that is because the new station manager, Kate, moves Fraser to the overnight shift, Mm -hmm. and I would like lauren now to tell me <laughs> a random guess as to what the plot of the play the long night or long day's journey into night is
0: oh first of all i would have had no idea it was a play i'll say that it is long night's journey into Day. i'll give you a hint it's written by eugene o'neill oh geez actually long day's <laughs> journey into Night. i said the wrong one already <laughs> i think it is about going to hell Oh, <laughs> that's my guess.
1: It is a like a semi-autobiographical play about his life with his morphine-addicted mother and alcoholic father, Woof. and and there's two boys, I'm not sure which of his, uh he's the younger brother uh, who has an illness, haven't looked too far into what that might be. Mm-hmm. And his older brother, who's a bit of a cad.
0: Okay. Yeah, Not so. what I
1: expected. Thought <laughs> it was sort of a Dante's Inferno. Fair enough. I had no idea either.
0: <laughs> uh, hit me with some more intertitles.
1: Um, so there is one from the third episode. Uh, the intertitle is, tried to hold it under some hot running water. And this is because Niles is unable to open an urn of ashes. Right. Uh,
0: <laughs> Classic mayonnaise jar technique yes
1: uh another one from episode 11 is maybe just a shampoo and set and this is because a caller calls in and would like to comb Fraser's hair <laughs> mm-hmm. sad he missed out on the skulllet. maybe yeah. maybe he hasn't seen the new do he's just seen old posters or maybe. something uh and we have a, a clip
3: of that call hi we're back on the topic of friendship now let's go to the switchboard roz who's on line one
4: good news, Dr. Crane. It's Gerard from Stanwood,
2: a new friend.
3: Hello, Gerard. I'm listening.
2: Well, I call for another reason, Dr. Crane, but what you just said really moved me. I wish more people felt that way.
3: Well, thank you, Gerard. I sense a kindred spirit.
2: Maybe we could get together sometime, have a beer. Maybe I could, you know, comb your hair. (laughs)
0: Amazing. So before that, it's the intertitle is maybe just a shampoo and set instead of a intimate hair combing. (laughs) Um, In episode 13, there is an intertitle
1: that is he was a band leader married to Charo. And later, uh, Daphne talks about Xavier Cougat. Okay. (laughs) Who I know because of a goofy movie. Great job, Disney. Mm -hmm. In episode 16, we just get, Huh? And that is before Fraser's amazing buttons and bows gaffe. In episode eighteen, we get maybe it's short for nodule, <laughs> and then there is a scene where Roz and Fraser are talking about her hairdresser Naj, and she just <laughs> keeps saying Naj. It's pretty good. Sure. Uh, in episode twenty-one, this is the episode where uh, BB is trying to quit smoking. There is one. That says "Waiting to Inhale," lovely. And I would like to ask you, Lauren,
0: who directed "Waiting to Exhale"? Ah, uh, could it be Angela Bassett?
1: No, <laughs> it's a man. Oh, um, he is it a, a white man? No, wow,
0: that's this, good.
1: This is his directorial debut. He would go on to direct other th- other movies such as "Hope
0: Floats." Whoa, killer! Uh, that would be one forest whitaker yes amazing yeah god he rocks yeah
1: (laughs) there is in episode 22 bridesmaid revisited and this is where roz wears her ugly bridesmaid's dress after being dumped Mm -hmm. uh do you know anything
0: about brideshead revisited i couldn't tell you a single thing is it ayn rand no no see i know nothing (laughs) so that proved the point
1: um i really don't know anything about it either but Wikipedia has told me quite a bit. (laughs) She's been Googling. (laughs) Including that the full title of the book is Brideshead Revisited, The Sacred and Profane Memories of Captain Charles Ryder. Whoa. Yeah, that's a twist. Yeah, right off the bat. (laughs) Um, It sounds pretty boring, if I'm being honest. (laughs) Uh, It follows from the... 1920s to the early 1940s, the life and romances of the protagonist Charles Ryder, and his friendship with a family of wealthy English Catholics. Oh, geez. Who live at uh, a mansion called Brideshead Castle? Oh, so that's hence where that that's comes where from. We're revisiting it, yeah. And there's something about a, a gay group of friends. Okay. Who knows? Well, that's fun. Yeah
0: um so yeah okay well we're learning
1: a lot i know more than i did (laughs) (laughs) and then finally in episode 24 uh, all the intertitles are just date and time stamps for flashbacks so they don't always have jokes or
0: puns or whatever they sometimes just help move the story along yeah and give information that you need but you don't want to have to have a character say it's three years ago yeah something like that (laughs) it always gets clunky (laughs) Wonderful. Thank you for taking us through intertitles. It's truly a highlight for me.
1: (laughs) I'm glad. Lauren, what else would you like to talk about with regards to writing?
0: I must speak about B.B. Glazer. Yeah, you must. Uh, So the B.B. episode of season three is called Where There's Smoke, There's Fired. And this is about how B.B. has gotten engaged to an oil tycoon, an an elderly oil tycoon. (laughs) Although I just watched it. He didn't look that old. He didn't look eighty. Mm, fair and so this oil tycoon also happens to be the new station owner he prefers to be called big (laughs) willie so bb and big willie are getting married and fraser has to get Bibi to quit smoking before the wedding which is in three days classic farce setup Mm -hmm. This is such a gem of an episode and particularly from a writing standpoint, uh, there's this wonderful speech given by Bibi about why she loves smoking so much. I'll play the clip and then we'll talk about it.
2: <laughs> there's no to need love. to be insulting just because you're wrestling with an unhealthy and disgusting habit.
0: It isn't disgusting, it's
4: wonderful.
2: Oh, now, Bebe, tell me
3: what is so wonderful about smoking?
4: Everything. I like the way of. Fresh, firm pack feels in my hand. I like peeling away that little piece of cellophane and seeing a twinkle in the light. (laughs) I like coaxing that first sweet cylinder out of its hiding place and bringing it slowly up to my lips. Striking a match, watching it burst into a perfect little flame and knowing that soon that flame will be inside me. (laughs) I love the first puff pulling it into my lungs little fingers of smoke filling me, caressing me feeling that warmth penetrate deeper and deeper (laughs) till I think I'm going to burst then whoosh (laughs) watching it flow out of me in a lovely sinuous cloud no two ever quite the same
3: More
0: potatoes, (laughs) everyone. Ah, baby glazer. Amazing stuff. This is a speech written by a writer named Joe Keenan. Uh, People should find him on Twitter. He's at Mr. Joe Keenan, and Keenan's K-E-E-N-A-N, at Mr. Joe Keenan. Oh my gosh, he he's like this brilliant writer. He does these like political parodies based that are musicals too. He's just wonderful. Sounds outstanding. Absolutely. And I think what's so great about this clip is it shows not only, I mean, we've talked about the acting power of Harriet Sansom Harris who plays before but when the writer gives the material and then she brings the performance to it oh it's so moving yeah and i find smoking to be
1: disgusting sure. and have no interest in it and i listen to that and i'm like okay i get it <laughs> yeah,
0: for sure and as do all the characters right yeah everyone uh, smokes that night whoever has smoked because it's a compelling piece of writing yeah
1: the show has such a little moments of outstanding writing like that.
0: Do you have any other examples? I surely do. So in the episode Adventures of Bad Boy and Dirty Girl, this is where Fraser and Kate Costas are Sleeping together trying to stop sleeping together and they end up in a service elevator in the first scenes of the episode They set up that a romance author is moving out of the building There's a little bit of plot around it and Martin's involved But it's kind of a throwaway line like oh she happens to be moving out and Martin's relieved great But so at the end of the episode when Fraser and Kate end up in the service elevator and they're trying to not sleep together The elevator breaks down um, and they're forced to confront their feelings with all of these super cliched romance novel props in the elevator with them. So there's a music box that's playing a theme from Romeo and Juliet, there's musk oil that Fraser knocks over, there's this like, cliche poster of a romance novel, um, and then also a full-out bed that falls down into the scene in hilarious It's fashion. beautiful. Mm-hmm. So it's that little bit of writing at the beginning of the episode that pays off in this huge way at the end, that all of, it raises the stakes of the scene and it contributes to the farce of the show. So it really heightens the situation and it makes the comedy of those moments just, like, fly. Mm-hmm. Really work well. Absolutely. Something that I appreciate about the show's
1: writing is how great the writers are at bad writing. hmm And here I am talking about, in the episode, the show where Diane comes back, um, which is the episode where Frasier's old ex-fiancee, Diane Chambers from Cheers, comes to Seattle to put on a play. And Frasier goes to see the play, and it is hilariously terrible. And the writers had to come up with all of that. And I just appreciate how well they capture the essence of a crappy play. And you really get the sense that they have sat through a few themselves.
0: <laughs> totally. I, yeah, I think there's something similar to people say you have to be a really good singer to sing poorly convincingly. Yeah. And I think it's the same thing. You have to be a really great writer to to put bad writing out there. Yeah. I or mean, some it... people do it without the greatness. Sure. <laughs> in a way that's funny and convincing. Yeah, absolutely our next segment is nonsense corner Taryn you are up first all right so I would like to talk about the episode high crane drifter okay
1: this is an episode that I am just not interested in the least it is very preachy about manners and etiquette and that's the whole point of the episode, and and I just feel like we never need more policing of ourselves by white men who think they are superior and right all the time. Hmm. And, Hot take, but yeah. <laughs> and especially when the premise of the show is that they very much are not, and that it they're just, not
0: right all the time. Yeah, yeah.
1: It just feels self indulgent and uh,
0: not. I'm not interested yeah fair enough that's (laughs) nonsense lauren bum us out okay so we have 24 episodes in season three and only eight episodes feature a female writer Mm. don't love that nope that's a third um also there are only three credited female writers versus nine male writers again a third (laughs) uh And only one woman got to write an episode without a male co-writer. I do believe that is
1: progress. I Mm -hmm. believe we have only had co-written episodes previously. Mm -hmm. So that a lady got to write
0: one on her own. (laughs) Big news. Interesting use of the word progress, but (laughs) yes. Um, So I just wanted to call out the three credited female writers in season three. Uh, They are Anne Flett-Giordano, Linda Morris, and Suzanne Martin. Uh, Way to go, gals. You are doing the work. Absolutely. Nonsense. Get more female writers and diversify your writing staff.
1: back to things we love about the show it's that time where we recommend an episode for you from
0: the third season lauren what is your pick i talked about it in this episode it's look before you (sighs) leap what an episode to watch as taryn said if you didn't follow her advice earlier (laughs) now pause the podcast (laughs) come back for the last two minutes it'll be worth it uh and go watch look before you leap it's wonderful it's always it'll always lift your spirits Taryn, what episode are you recommending?
1: I'm going to recommend uh, Where There's Smoke, There's Fired. Mm-hmm. It's just wonderful. Anytime BB's on there, you're going to have a good time. There's a weekend at Bernie's wedding that we get to hear about. <laughs> it sounds wonderful. Love to be there. Yeah and and as you say
0: there's some really great writing in it absolutely it's also a bottle episode which we've talked about in a previous season of our podcast where they're all contained in one space and just kind of bouncing off each other which Mm -hmm. is always fun yeah especially when you get bb in there to like really mix it up (laughs) absolutely yeah (laughs) thanks for listening to cafe nervosa Taryn writes recaps for each of our podcast episodes, so if you want to see some excellent Frasier gifts, check that out at cafe Podcast.com. we We'd like to thank Colette
1: Jonas for composing our awesome theme music. We would love it if you would help spread the word about our show by telling the Niles to your Frasier or the Daphne to your Martin about Café Nervosa.
0: we like to end every episode with clips of our favorite jokes from this season based on our theme. Taryn, you are up. All you
1: need to know here is that the caliber of writing on the show is
2: top-notch. He is grossly overmatched, but he didn't bring this on himself. You know, you're right now. So if I have to fight cheap
3: and dirty on his own terms, then I will.
2: Uh... <laughs> and what is that supposed to be? Well, I don't think it's a good idea. You know, Bulldog's pretty good at this kind of thing. I, I He's a funny guy. And I'm not funny? Uh... I don't believe this. Well, now, obviously, Dad's forgetting the time you took the names of our wine club board and turned them all into (laughs) wickedly derisive anagrams. (laughs)
3: Sydney (laughs) Ass Basket. (laughs) 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 Uh, you see, Dad, I made you laugh. (laughs) No, I'm looking at Eddie.
0: (laughs) It is wickedly derisive. (laughs) All you need to know for mine is that Fraser needs sleep, and he keeps getting woken up by his family.
2: How Did she know it wasn't a real gun? It fooled the servants, even the ones who' spent years fleeing hunters. You want a Stardust pistol? Yes. You see, as long as Maris thinks it's real, it makes her feel secure, but this way no one can get hurt. <laughs>
3: <laughs> what the hell was that? Was that a gun shot?
2: Morning Frazier, just getting up. Just getting up! Are you out of your mind? A gun just went off in here. Niles bought a starter's pistol. Yeah, but, and there's no need to get snippy. Accidents happen, you know. Oh, I'm sorry. Was I snippy? <laughs>
3: I didn't realize it was too much to ask that there'd not be gunplay in my living room.
2: <laughs> you know, Niles, you shouldn't have any kind of gun, really. Come to think of it, now that Mr. Sunshine's home during the day, maybe I shouldn't either. <laughs>